Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Every year I kind of hate to see summer over, and yet I'm at the same time thankful for and excited about starting our fall schedule here. And good to see each of you here today as we begin that and start Sunday school and so on. Do we have a... I want to ask you, have you ever really enjoyed... A sweet fellowship with some folks and you maybe even got really close to them only to have them or maybe you yourself move away life is like that sometimes and, and uh, we enjoy some relationships for a season and, and then the Lord moves us on and, and that moving on sometimes is due to a job or location change or might be due to a situational change in your life uh, maybe getting married or having kids uh, or it might even be due, due to death of someone but, but the move um, takes place, uh, and we must move on, and, and we have our memories. The, the Apostle Paul had, had some very fond memories of folks at a church that he had helped to start, that first congregation he started in Macedonia. And we get a little glimpse of that as, as we read through the letter that he wrote um, to that congregation at Philippi. And, and as Pastor Ryan mentioned, we're going to be preaching through this book of Philippians for the next three months And I trust that God can use his word as we look in this book to really encourage you in your Christian faith and sharpen your focus on what we're here on this earth for as we meet together each week. And we picked up a number of these little booklets. It's really a Philippians journal, I guess you could call it. It just contains the ESV version of the book of Philippians, four chapters in there, and then it has... Blank on one side, so you can take notes on that. And there are a number of back table and so on. You're welcome to pick them up and make use of them each week. You can bring them with you, uh, or just keep them at home and use them for a private study. Uh, but mark them up and make use of those. And if you are bringing them back and forth to church, maybe you want to put your name in them or someplace, since they're all going to look alike. But let's look today at, at Philippians chapter 1. And I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as I read I, Paul, and and Timothy, servants of of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, 
And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let us pray. Lord God, we just give you thanks for your word today and, and for this book that we will be digging into. Uh, Lord, we pray that as we look into it today that you would uh, give us a glimpse into the relationship that Paul knew with you, Jesus, and, and with these Philippians. And, and may it encourage us in, in those relationships we have with each other and, and, and with you, Christ, uh, we pray. And we ask, Lord, too, as I think of uh, the fellowship of believers and the fond memories we have, Lord, uh, prayer requests brought to my attention today for, for Jerry Payne, who uh, moved away. Uh, is down in Minneapolis area and, and recently fell and broke her hip. And Lord, we just lift her up to you and ask that you would grant your healing touch upon her and encourage her today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Now, if you're a bit like me, when you read through some of these letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, um, you might typically kind of just plow through some of those first couple of verses because uh, you see them maybe as, well, that's just the greetings to the recipients and uh, doesn't, it isn't really relevant to me. And I have to admit, so sometimes I just do that and skip to the, you know, maybe past verse 3 um, or maybe even all the way past verse 12 here to get, uh, to get to what I think is a more relevant part, more applicable to my life. However, if we do that, we miss some valuable stuff at the beginning. And, and today we're going to slow down and, and catch a glimpse of some relationships um, that were really foundational to Paul's life and, and dear to his heart. And, and that's, as I mentioned in my prayer, then his relationship with Jesus Christ and his relationship with these folks at Philippi. And, and as we look at that then, hopefully it'll, it'll give us pause to think about the significance of our personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and our relationships with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so with that, we look at our relationship with Christ. And, and Paul addresses the folks that he writes in Philippi as saints in Christ. Now, that word saints literally means holy ones or, or ones that are set apart from others. And, and how is it then that Paul would consider the Philippians to be holy ones or saints? How is it that any of us could be called saints when, when we each know our own hearts and we know what sinners we are? Well, we are saints in Christ. The Heavenly Father looks on us as saints or holy ones only because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus, the holy, sinless Son of God, <clears throat> went to the cross for us. And there on that cross, he bore the punishment for our sin upon himself, and he transferred to our account then his righteousness. And so for all of us who believe in him then, we are in God's sight declared to be righteous or, or holy ones. And one set apart, saints in Jesus Christ. And as we go along in the book of Philippians this fall, we're going to see over and over again this phrase, in Christ Jesus, or sometimes it might be a slight variation of that. It'll say, in Christ or, or in the Lord. But you'll see that repeated several times. And if you have that manuscript, that's what it looks like on the first page of it. 
And, and I, I marked mine up, color-coded a bit of it, so you notice all the places just in the yellow that, I mentioned, that it mentions Christ or Christ Jesus, and then underlined up there toward the top, um, in Christ Jesus, uh, with a blue underline there. I went through the whole book and marked it up a bit and noticed that 14 times that that comes up, this concept of being in Christ. Being in Christ makes all of the difference. And also as we, in, in verse 1, see Paul referring to himself and to Timothy, they refer to themselves as servants of Christ. And some translations say slaves. Um, both of those words still have similar definitions. Uh, Lenski describes it this way. Men who in all their work have no will of their own, but only their owner's will and word. And that's true of, sla of, of slaves or of servants. And after Paul was converted, he looked on his life then as not his own any longer, but as being on this earth for the one purpose of, of serving his master, Jesus Christ. He was a servant of Christ. And it, if Jesus Christ has saved us, and he has bought us, and, and our lives are no longer our own either, and we become servants of Christ, we're on this earth for that purpose of serving him. <clears throat> and then also regarding Paul's relationship with Christ, he indicates that he continues to be then on the receiving end in that relationship as he is daily receiving grace and peace from Jesus Christ. And grace is, is God being gracious to us, adopting an attitude of all-sufficient favor toward us who are helpless sinners. Uh, it's giving us the opposite of what we deserve. That's God's amazing grace, giving us better than we deserve. And flowing out of that grace, then, is also peace. That's that Hebrew word shalom. And Lenski describes peace this way. I like this. He says, it, peace is the condition when God is our friend and all is well with us. Grace always comes first and, and peace second because God's grace is the source of that peace. And, and that peace then is something that we have both objectively and subjectively. It, objectively we have it and that no matter how we feel, if we are in Christ, then God's word declares to us that we are at peace with God. And sometimes we might feel peaceful in our hearts. Sometimes we might have inner turmoil going on and guilt and difficulty, you know, discouragement. But still, even if that is what we feel, that objective fact remains, as it tells us in Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what we have in Christ also shapes our relationships with each other in the church. And what Paul says about the Philippians here in the next verses, 3 to 11 there, is, is a, a personal glimpse in, into the relationships that were developed as he spent some time with them as that congregation was being formed. And I think that what we see in his relationship with them then certainly is what God would desire in our relationships within a congregation as well. And he says, first of all, then about the Philippians... I am thankful for you. Verse 3, I thank God in all of my remembrance of you. He remembered back to those early days in that congregation at Philippi, where, as I mentioned when I preached last week from Acts chapter 16 there, there were these characters there 
uh, Lydia, the seller of purple fabrics, and her whole family. That was the first convert there. And then there was this slave girl who was released from, a, from demon possession. And then there was the Philippian jailer who was converted after Paul and Silas spent time in his prison. And his whole family, too, came to faith in Christ. And then there were several more that it didn't list there, but the congregation had by now grown um, to, to several converts and, and to an organized leadership of overseers and deacons. And as Paul thinks back on that, he has great memories, and he thanks the Lord um, whenever he thinks about them. Well, for us, too, likely memories come flooding back in our lives as we think of the fellowship we've enjoyed maybe in various locations over the years. Um, I think of in my life, um, as I tried to add it up, different congregations I've been involved in, at least 12 different congregations, uh, beginning with my home congregation I grew up in, and then those I were a part of during college and, and seminary years, and then my internship here in northern Michigan, and, and then um, serving as pastor in, in uh, three different locations, uh, sometimes with two churches. And, and as I stop and I think back, of, of those various locations, names and faces come to my mind uh, of people I've enjoyed a blessed fellowship with, and I thank God for them. And that's certainly true about here at Maranatha, too, in the years we've been here. And it is for many of you as well. And as you think about it, some of you have been blessed to be a part of the fellowship of believers here at Maranatha for over 30 years. Right here in this congregation, there's a lot of memories with that, a lot to be thankful for. Some of you have come in more recent times, but you've maybe found already, hopefully, some sweet fellowship with other believers here, and, and you're currently developing some of those memories. Well, Paul says to the Philippians whom he remembers, I, I am thankful for you, and I'm praying for you. Always with every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy, he says. Now, why this joy in Paul's heart when he thinks of the folks at Philippi and prays for them? Well, he goes on to say it's because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You, you see, Paul doesn't look at those Philippians as just an audience that he spoke to, or, or even as friends that he's enjoyed fellowship with. But he sees them also as partners in the work of the gospel. There's an awareness that they are all in something together that is bigger than any of them. And Christian brothers and sisters here today, we too are involved in something that is bigger than any of us. And that is the work of the gospel. The work of spreading the good news of forgiveness of sin and eternal life available in Jesus Christ. And that means then that our church involvement isn't to be from the perspective of just what's in it for me. But it's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, there, there is plenty of bad news that is floating around these days. Sometimes about every time you turn on your TV or your computer or your smartphone and, look and see news, uh, there's, there's more bad news, more reasons to be fearful and so on. But we who know Jesus have good news to share with a world that has gone bad. We, we have news to dispel people's fears. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And you see it in the text again there, I'm underlined in green there, it comes up twice it, just in this text, mentioning the gospel. And we're going to see it several other times as we go on in this book. And as Paul thinks of and prays for these folks that he has fond memories of and fellowship with and can no longer be with, uh, but we're partners in the work of the gospel, he looks ahead 
with confidence. And, he, and he's not saying here that he's confident in them and in their greatness, their great ability or character or integrity, because they are, are still sinners as well as being saints. And every one of us, too, continue to be sinners who have the potential to let others down and, and even to majorly fall into sin. And, and the circumstances around us sometimes can so discourage us and we can be, feel tempted to give up to lose our faith in God. But Paul's word here in verse 6 reminds us that that won't happen easily. Though we may despair, God is still at work. And Paul says here, I am confident for you in God and his work in you. And God who began a good work in you. you and as you think about that and recognize, you didn't just on your own decide to become a Christian. The Holy Spirit of God worked in your heart, opened your heart and your mind and brought you to believe in Jesus Christ. He began a good work in you. Many of you, that was way back even when you were a child and you were baptized. And as a child, you began to learn the Bible stories about Jesus like we learned in those first years of Sunday school here. And maybe you recognize that. You recognize that God was at work there, but you wonder, is he still at work in me? I've failed him so much. Could he give up on me? And Paul is wanting to assure the believers at Philippi that that will not happen. God began that good work in you, and he will continue that work in you. And it's not somehow up to you to then live the Christian life and learn to be perfect and grow and improve all by yourself. But no, God is still at work in you, bringing about this gradual day, day-by-day uh, day sanctification in your life. And though you might some days feel like an utter failure, so far from the maturity you desire, yet God is still at work in your life through his word as you read it and you hear it and through the fellowship of believers as you come together and through the circumstances that he lines up in your life and he will continue to be at work in you until he's done one day. Verse 6 says he will bring it to completion. He'll bring that work um, in you to completion. Oops. Um, and when will that be? at the day of Christ Jesus. When is that? Well, it's the day when Christ returns, or the day you meet him, even when you die before that, if that would come. <clears throat> He's working to keep you in the faith until then, and, and so be encouraged by that, and keep making use, and of the means of grace that he has given us, the word and the sacraments. And, and as I think about that, I, I believe I would be remiss if I didn't remind you you need the body of Christ. You need fellow believers in Christ. Christians are not to be lone rangers. And as somebody said, even the lone ranger had tanto. Uh, no, we need each other. Paul's letter that we're looking at here was written to a congregation. To be read out loud together to them. And so we too need to come together to hear God's word and worship and pray together and support each other in faith and in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says to the Philippians, I'm thankful for you, I'm praying for you, I see you as partners in the work of the gospel, and I'm confident for you that God will continue what he's begun in you. And then he also says that he, <clears throat> there you go, that I have you in my heart. 
And, and why is it there's this place in his heart for them? He says, because you are partakers of God's grace with me. For you all are partakers with me of his grace. Together we continue then day by day to get from God way better than we deserve as we daily receive then forgiveness of our sin and he gives us a peace in our hearts and, and draws us to truly care for each other as well as fellow partakers of, of his grace. And that brings us to the focus of the last verses there, the 9 through 11, where Paul says specifically what it is he prays when he remembers the Philippians in prayer. What does he say he's praying that God would bring about in the hearts and lives of Philippians? What can we pray for? Well, really similar things. He says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. They, they already have clearly shown love for Paul and, and taking care of him when he was there and, and shown love for each other. And he is praying, though, that that love would abound more and more, that it would just overflow in their lives to everyone around them. You see, love is what's to characterize a Christian's life. And, and I am so thankful to serve a congregation where I, I see that to be true here. I, I see it firsthand when I go to a, a men's fellowship on uh, Saturday mornings and see these guys care for each other there. Or I see it when you're out there in the fellowship hall chatting and catching up with each other after a service. I see it secondhand um, when we see ladies groups meeting. I don't go to those um, or youth group um, or friendship club. Um, but there are those groups that come together regularly because they care about each other. May that love abound even more and more among us so that we leave no one out. Anyone who comes through our doors here, that that love would be noticed by them as well and that it would flow out into our relationships and the community as well. In addition, Paul prays that that love may be accompanied by knowledge and discernment. how we need discernment today. Never in all of my life have I gone through a time where I so much didn't know what to believe. And I'm not talking about my in my relationship with God or with you folks here, but in my relationship with those in the medical profession and in government and the media. There, there is a lot of lying and deception out there. And, and oh, how we need then godly discernment concerning the issues of our times. And I do know this that fear is not from God, and those who seek to plant fear are not trusting in God, or they have ulterior motives in spreading fear. And Paul prays then for discernment for the Philippians, and he also prays that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that your life would be motivated by Christ's return. And if we keep the end in view, that helps us in how we live our lives today, if we remember that one day we will stand before God and give an account for our lives, it helps us to turn away from evil. As we are in his word, we grow in knowledge and discernment, and the result is fruit of righteousness in our lives. And as I think about fruit and, and growing things and harvest and so on here, uh, I'm reminded of some of you farmers are a bit baffled this year by how your wheat crop turned out so good in a drought year. And you know you had a part in that. You, helped, you, you put the seed in the ground and, and um, maybe you sprayed for some weeds and so on. But beyond that, um, it was pretty much out of your control. And you waited and you watched for it, maybe worried, stressed about it, this drought going on, wondered how is this going to turn out with, with rain in such short supply compared to other years. And yet somehow, 
you got a pretty fair crop. How did that happen? Only one explanation. God produced the fruit. And so it is in our Christian lives. There is an aspect of our part in the growth that takes place. And yet, when all is said and done, it is God that causes that to grow in spite of those times of drought where we don't even feed ourselves on a word as we ought and so on. And Paul concludes then with this recognition that God is at work and he produces the fruit. And may God then be praised in our lives. Let us pray. Lord God, we do thank you for what you teach us in your word here today. And we thank you, first of all, for our, our relationship with Jesus Christ. We seek, take this for granted sometimes, Lord, but it's amazing that you, you look on us as saints, not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. And, and Lord, you call us to be your servants. Help us to want to serve you and give our lives in service each day. And we are on the receiving end daily of, of your grace and peace, and we thank you for that. And we thank you, too, for the relationships we have with each other in the church. And we pray for each other, Lord. And you know the difficulties some are going through. And thank you that we can encourage each other and pray for each other in those situations. Lord, help us to see ourselves as partners in this work of the gospel. And when we get discouraged, Lord, remind us that you are at work among us and within us to help each one of us to continue in the faith until we reach that time where we see you face to face. And Lord, we just pray for each other then. We pray that love would flow out of this congregation in a powerful way in this community. And Lord, that you would give us discernment to understand the issues we face in a world around us. And Lord, that you would help us, that we would be united in Christ. And that, Lord, you would be at work and result as... Our glory would go to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.